Welcome to the Homegrown Podcast, a place where we share the truth about food and farming from our kitchen to yours. I'm your host, Liz Hazelmeyer, along with my husband, Joey. Good afternoon. And together we hope to educate, inspire, and equip you in your pursuit of true nourishment. Today's guest is Dan, who runs the Elk Shape Platform, which is a digital media for elk hunting and fitness. He's an ordinary family man, but has an extraordinary passion for fitness and archery elk hunting. Dan, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Yeah, super excited to get you on, and, and I'm going to jump in here just because I've I've written out just outrageous amount of notes about the things we could talk about today, and I'm going to try to restrain from like super super I'm going to call it nerdy stuff. I just think nerdy means like you go beyond like a general understanding of something, and you go into like the nitty gritty. But I I may get there on a few things. So one thing you have to know about Joey Dan is that he doesn't <laughs> dabble in things. Okay, when he chose to switch to bow hunting. He went all in. I can't express the dollar signs spent at the archery store. Okay. Yep. I can't express the hours watching YouTube. I can't express how 10,000 shots fired before you even like practice shots before mm. you even stepped foot in the woods. Like he's insane. I love that about him, but it's also a very special characteristic. So I'm going to let you do your thing. And anyhow, um, <laughs> th- this is how I found Dan and his YouTube channel, which is like, in my opinion, I'm like, dude, we better get Dan on before he's way too famous to, to, to come onto our show. <laughs> to grace our presence. It's like, it's probably some of the best YouTube content for archery that I've ever seen. It's, it's, it's very good. So anyone out there, quick plug, Elk Shape YouTube, definitely go check it out. Um, but, um, and, and that, that kind of brings me to my first point, man. It's like uh, hunting. And I, I want to kind of get into that a little bit. I want to know how you started, started into hunting. And then I want to know the evolution from just being into hunting and, and getting into the elk shape, kind of, we use this term influencer before we press record, right? And and it's, it's kind of a yucky word, but you're there, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not, right? You've, you have influence in some capacity, people are listening to what you're saying. Uh, but, uh, you know, take me back to the beginning. Oh, yeah. Well, Joey, the, the all or nothing trait is uh, a shared commonality <laughs> in a lot of successful bow hunters and obviously success is defined by the individual but yeah i didn't grow up bow hunting um but i did kind of get exposed to hunting my dad my father was a pastor at a teeny tiny church called the elk community something in elk washington and that's a very small town and i didn't know we were poor by the way i didn't know but i knew we ate deer a lot to the point where <laughs> I might have complained a lot as a kid of like really deer tonight again venison mm-hmm. um looking back it makes me laugh now but uh my dad would go hunting all the time and as a probably about six I, I he took me out maybe grouse hunting or deer hunting and once or twice I was hooked I was like can I please go anytime mm-hmm. he was lacing up his boots so that kind of, and I don't know why I liked going. I think it was just the one-on-one time, but a couple of times he would go like on like overnighters where like he would go out and take the piece of crap canopy style camper on the back of his piece of crap truck. And we'd go somewhere I didn't even know. And, and it was an adventure. Uh, I remember sitting against a tree with him and a deer came to like 10 yards and I, my right leg was like a sewing, just, I was just shaking with excitement and he wasn't even going to shoot this deer, but I just thought it was so cool to have that encounter. 
Uh, fast forward, I would think I was about 10 and I'd finally convinced him to let me go take hunter safety. And I don't know if 10 is too young. I passed, I got my hunter license. And then that Christmas I got a 30, 30 lever action, no scope, no sight, just old school Western style and hunted with that for, I don't know, a year or so. And then I, he got me a kind of a legit 308 caliber rifle for deer hunting and, I remember I shot my first buck was, I was spoiled. I shot a really big buck in the rut with a foot of snow by myself. He dropped me off, told me to sit against the tree and just wait in this opening. I remember getting really cold and barely feeling my fingers. And then I look up and there's this buck and I shot him and my dad heard the shot. He was probably a mile away and he jammed over to me and there's this really handsome whitetail mountain buck and he took me back to camp with all his friends and I got all these attaboys. It was like, a, it was like a, yeah. whatever you call it. But I was like becoming a man at yeah. age 13. And, uh, we, we cut the deer up and we ate the deer and then junior high sports took over high school sports took over girls took over. I, I never hunted from age probably 13 to age 19 never hunted just nothing but sports but when i was 19 and um out of high school college i really wanted to get back into hunting so i kind of convinced my dad to like come out of retirement let's go deer hunting and um i should have warned you this is a long story i'm condensing it down and we went we got time we went on a deer hunt together and i'm a freshman in college and uh we saw elk why we were deer hunting in the mountains of Washington state, not known for elk really. Uh, and I remember that evening, I think we went and it wasn't internet days. So like we went and like got the regulations in person and flipped to the page of the elk rules. Cause for your non hunting crowd, like you can't just go out and shoot shit. You got to actually like obey the, like there's science involved. There's biologists, there's an allotment mm. to keep the herd healthy. And, and we had a season coming up in a a week and we had like fresh intel on some bulls on public land. Mm-hmm. So I remember we went to like the general store and bought like a bugle tube, which is some, a device to help you make elk sounds. And if those not familiar with elk sounds, just Google what sound does yeah. an elk make and watch a few videos. <laughs> yeah. You'll see yeah. what I'm talking about. And we put this cassette tape, that's going to date this. We put the cassette tape in as we're driving four in the morning to this hunting spot and listening to these guys teach how to make elk sounds. And this cassette tape also like played real live audio of these dudes bow hunting elk in the rut in September, which is what most states only allow archery during the rut. Like with a rifle would be too, it would be like fish in a barrel. It'd be just, it wouldn't be fair chase. So you hear these guys calling elk and these elk screaming coming in and then you hear the sound of a bow twang and then an arrow hitting the ribs thwack and then dudes like crying in celebration and and uh i remember that like distinctly long story longer that morning we go out we go right to where we saw the elk a week before and my dad calls a bull into me and i shoot him at 20 yards with a rifle and walked up to it with my dad and it was like, Oh my goodness. This is like five deer put together as one. This is a giant animal. How the hell are we going to get him back to the truck? And 
my personality is pretty all or none, Joey. And so I remember after that experience, the tape that we played on the way to that hunt, like intrigued me enough to where I went down to an archery shop and bought a bow and arrows because I knew I wanted to hunt these things when they're rutting and bugling. And I've truly, I've never really picked up a rifle since that day. Wow. That's sweet. It So it wasn't necessarily that hunt. It was the cassette tape you were listening to on the way to the hunt. Yeah. That's what sealed the deal is I needed to hear that. I needed to experience that. And then I, obviously we killed this elk and it fed our whole family all winter long. That's and it crazy. was a huge, like the juice is worth the squeeze. If you get an elk, it's like, oh my gosh, this is the best meat. This is the purest form of protein on planet earth. And I did that. Mm-hmm. I know where it lived. I know what it ate. It lived a free wild life. This is what, mm-hmm. this is what, I, this is what I want to do. And then it was all or none from there on out. Mm. I love that. And, and, and we'll, we'll get into how elk shape kind of took, took shape. Yeah. Anyways, after that, <laughs> the, the, I love the alignment that I, I have story wise. So my dad and I grew up hunting, right? It was just always a thing. And, um, we, we owned property in upstate New York and then we lived in Ohio. So we would always travel around Thanksgiving time to New York to see my grandfather and my cousins for the holidays, but then we would also hunt. So that was, that was kind of like that, that was kind of the tradition. And the, the hunting was, was like baked in. Right. And it was always gun hunting always. And it was, it was always about, you know, we're feeding the family. There's nourishment involved here. You know, we're taking animals. We're, we're going to process the deer ourselves. And, um, side note, but my family, I went to culinary school before I went to business school. And so like my whole, f- <laughs> when I got older, my whole family, cause I was so into cooking and knives and everything, breaking down deer just became like, well, Joey, since you're so good at it, can you like, and so just breaking down deer was just, was just kind of like my, uh, my gig. Anyhow, I, I wasn't allowed from legalities in New York to start deer hunting until I was 16. So I took my hunter safety course in two, I don't know, 2005, 2004, something like that. Mm-hmm. Again, dating, I guess, early, dating myself as younger, right? But the, the, the reality there is, is that I took my course, got it, got it squared away. By the time I got to be allowed to hunt that year, they changed the regulations. I just remember this being, I'm kind of bitter about it still. Oh, yes, I remember. Because then they said, now you can be 14. So my little brother got to go too. And I'd been waiting all that time. But anyways. Salty. It very. And so got to go got to go out and, and, and no rifles allowed in New York for, for deer hunting. Um, only, I guess it's like straight wall cartridges. So maybe a 30-30 would work. I can't, I can't remember what kind of cartridge they're using. I'm not sure if it's, like a, like a 308 for sure not. Um, but uh, the, the shotgun is what I used with the slug. And I, my first, my first morning, the first time I ever hunted, I got a deer. And then I went five years of th- those trips, <laughs> not getting anything. So it was like one deer, good to go. I'm like, this is easy. I love this. This is amazing. And then I went five years of, you know, yeah, just sitting in the woods, freezing, like thinking to myself, what am I doing out here? I hate this. I, I want to go like, you know, I want to sleep in all those teenage years. Right. But, but it was, it, it was more baked in. So it was less of like a, I could choose to go because we were going to travel to New York as a family, whether I wanted to go or not. And then once we got there, it was like, well, I mean, I could just sit at the house alone for hours or I could, I could get in the woods and hunt. And so I uh, grew up that way. It's not until recently. Okay. And, and, until. Uh, recently that I started bow hunting and I was listening to 
it was there um there was a, a Jocko Willink podcast and he had a guy on I think his name was John Dudley. I don't know. Anyways, he does that sound right? Is there is there a yep, John Dudley? That's got to be it. Okay. Okay, anyways, <laughs> and and he was talking about archery and they were talking about hunting and and I was like, "Man, I think I'd like that." And um, my, I had two friends have been trying to get me into archery anyway for, for years. And I was always just like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't really get it. I just don't, I don't, I don't get it. I didn't have the tape. I wasn't listening to the tape. I wasn't getting the, the, the energy. I wasn't getting the excitement. And they took me to, uh, yeah, broken rack where I, where I get my like, archery supplies, which is very different than walking into like a Bass Pro. I just need to tell people like if, 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 or like a Cabela's or a Shields or whatever you've got in your area, if you're walking into like a Shields to get a bow it's very different than well actually shields was pretty legit when i was there i was in i was in wyoming recently but the the like small town like archery store you walk in there these dudes this is what they do and like they know oftentimes like ridiculous information about archery and so like i'll roll in there and be like hey like i feel like it, it just feels different when i pull it back and they'll like look at it and say oh yeah and like they're, they're like twisting cords and I, I haven't figured any of that stuff out yet, but it's uh, they, they, they'll get things squared away like really quickly and, and, and they can, they can definitely help you out. But uh, I go out and I get, I get a bow and oh my gosh, I was so addicted, like so quickly. And that's when I started jumping into all kinds of YouTube stuff. And, and uh, that's, how, that's how I found elk shapes. You guys, you have a YouTube channel that's outstanding and uh, oh my gosh, it's great. It's it's been it's been super super awesome. I've only taken one deer ever with a bow, and this will be this will be my second year bow hunting. Um, I put in like man close to two hundred hours of hunting last year. Mm-hmm. It was painful, and um, <laughs> it's just not the same. It's, it is not the same. Bow hunting is not the same as gunning. I, I could have had a, a, yeah like a herd of deer, <laughs> um, but uh, it's just different with a bow. It's fun. It was fun to watch you kind of shift into that because you did hunting had become kind of this like, oh, it's family tradition. But then you got like a new excitement yeah. into it. So it's like if you've been hunting for a while and you're like, nah, this is like, get into it. Just swap up your gear, change something because now you're like more on fire, I feel like than ever. Yeah. And I, it's exciting to watch. I think it's cool. You feel closer to it. You feel more, it feels more involved. Anyways, um, enough about me. Dan, so jumping in, jumping ahead now. So, you, so you've 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 switched now to to archery. You took your first bull with a three oh eight, right? Yeah. You had a thirty thirty that you were using for deer, I believe. Yep. And then you switched to three oh eight. You took your first elk, um, and 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 then and then you decide, hey, I'm not I'm not picking up the, the gun anymore. I'm going to archery. Um, how did you get into archery? What was your first bow? Like, how did you build it out? Like, what did that look like? Yeah. So, I. Bought a bow from, I think it's an archery shop. It could have been a pawn shop. Honestly, I don't remember getting a lot of help. Like, mm. I just remember it was like real transactional. <clears throat> here's your bow. Here's your arrows. Here's a case. Nice knowing you. And mm. uh, we lived on 10 acres and I just shot it a lot. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I was able to hunt was uh, archery deer, early season. And I knew to get a tree stand and I knew to, I knew where deer were on our property. So I knew where to set up. And I believe I dabbled with that, but my uncle was an elk hunter and archery and he went to Idaho and he lived in Idaho. And I was just like, can I go with you pretty please? And he was certainly gracious enough to take me to his spots in Idaho public land. And, um, 
honestly, it was looking back, it was really formidable. Like he jumped me right into the middle of good elk hunting and it was really physical and it was, uh, it was just hard. Like you had to get up so early. You had to hike so far in the dark, but once the elk started bugling, it was insane, man. I was like, this is, this is incredible. I love everything about this. I loved being cold and miserable, trying to get out of my sleeping bag in the morning in a little crappy tent with a layer of frost on it. Um, I loved the long, miserable hikes in the dark to get to where the elk were at. And I loved hearing them vocalize. And, and so that's where I started was North Idaho. And I hunted, you know, a lot, like, I think when I was 19, I got a gig as a personal trainer while I went to college. And I will say like my undergrad and graduate college education was all exercise science, exercise phys, but Hmm. I feel like I worked 50, 60, 70 hours a week all through college and grad school. Uh, And so I made really good money and I lived at home at the time. And I remember I got to the point where I was a personal trainer and I kind of could, it was almost like my own business really, because Mm. I worked for a corporate gym, but like I had my list, my book, my book of business. So I would talk to my clients and be like, Hey, uh, here's, I wrote out all your workouts for September. Here's what you're going to do, but I'm not going to train you in September. And then I talked to my college professors and I was like, Hey, Fortunately, most of my college started mid-September and elk hunting is like good in September, like great for archery. Mm -hmm. And that's when you go. And it's a beautiful time to be in the mountains. And I would talk to my professors and let them know, Hey, like I need all the work for the next two weeks, uh, till October. I won't, I'm going to be gone. And so I don't know, I kind of hit it out of the park. Like I knew that bow hunting elk required a lot of time and I created the opportunity for myself to get as much time off as possible. So I started my first archery elk season was 2002 and I probably hunted 20 plus days in the field Wow! and I never killed an elk and the same in 2003 and the same in 2004 and 2005 and I didn't quit. It was like every year that I didn't kill an elk, it made me a lot more what my wife would say is psycho. I would say committed. (laughs) She would say obsessed, but I was single and I just got more determined. I shot my bow more. I got, I read every piece of literature on elk hunting, on archery Mm -hmm. and became obsessed. And finally in 2006, I killed my first archery elk. And I can tell you that that is one of the greatest feelings I've ever had after all those Cause a lot of guys go elk hunting for like a weekend or maybe a week, they get a week off from their boss and that's it. And I had figured it out at my very first season of like, I'm going to go the, the whole season is September. Like they give you the whole month. I need the whole month. I suck at elk hunting. Uh, mm. and so we're talking almost a lifetime of elk hunting experience in four or five years. Um, when you're looking at close to 30 days a year. And I'll be honest, I don't know if there's a September where I haven't hunted almost every day since that very first archery season. And uh, we can get into that. But yeah, so it took (laughs) me a long time to get one. And that delayed gratification, I mean, it was it was so worth it was worth the wait. And I was hooked and it changed me as it changed who I was. 
um, I became pretty intense, pretty focused, almost singularly focused on preparing for elk season year round. Elk shape started mm. before elk shape was even a thing. Mm. So I'm curious, at what point did you actually say, hey, maybe I should start creating content and, and turn this into like a, a thing? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I think content in my era was not digital. So I did take to pen and paper or a laptop in my back into my college days. I started pe- like penning together some thoughts and some ideas on some articles and some things I learned, especially in 2006 when I started having success and success really like there's guys that are like maybe killing elk their first time out, i.e. me, and then have a huge drought. But I would say, honestly, since 2006, I've killed at least two bulls a year. Like mm. I, I had a rough learning curve, but I figured it out and mm-hmm. really started to stack up success. A lot of it was because I was obsessed. But um, then I started writing. And in those days, like around 2006, 2007, I don't think there was YouTube yet. And I would submit articles and I would always have a fitness slant, obviously, because I love fitness. That's what I did for a living. And a lot of my articles would get accepted and I would get imprinted in like bow hunting specific magazines to Mm -hmm. the point where I actually ended up with a column and one and and then uh, once the magazines, some of them started their own TV shows on cable and, you know, satellite. And so as a columnist, I would usually be on one or two episodes a year. So then there's a camera involved and that just kind of accelerated. And then I would per se, probably around 20, it was 2013 where I had dabbled in writing, dabbled in TV and I'd even dabbled in editing four TV shows, like actually mm. editing videos um, as a contractor that in 2013, I'm like, I'm doing my own thing. I'm going to call it mm-hmm. elk shape because I love fitness and I love hunting. I love elk hunting. I didn't call it sheep shape. I didn't call it deer shape, turkey shape. <laughs> I don't care about those things. And I'm still that way to this day. My like North star is elk hunting. So elk shape it is. And so in 2013, I started my own entity or LLC. I had no idea if I was going to do it for a living. Um, got the name trademarked, all that jazz and, and started creating content as the kids say, um, with, (laughs) you know, making YouTube videos, um, posting to probably Facebook at the time and maybe Instagram because it just started, um, Mm. didn't start a podcast till like, I think 2016 or 17. I can't remember. I know I'm Mm. wrapping up year six, so it's, uh, an evolution, It was a process, Mm -hmm. but everything I did along the way, like writing really helped me figure out how to do videos. Like you need to have a point to your video. You need to have it build up and tell a story and have kind of a punchline climax. And that helped me. And then when I was an editor for a TV show, it really taught me how to tell a story through video, um, Mm -hmm. how to actually edit and, um, photography, videography, how to use cameras and not on just man, like actual manual settings for photography and videography. And, um, yeah, so everything kind of worked in its own way to, to be where we're at today. That's so cool. It it makes me think of like, this is not at all the same, but like I had a blog way back in the day and then I was like, and then I was a marketing copywriter. So I learned how to like, like I went to school for that and I was like, all right, I got my master's in communication. Like, learn how to do all these things. And then like, I would have never, ever, ever thought that I would like 
build up a community of people chasing after real food and like wholeness and families. And it's like, yeah, you look back on your journey and you're like, oh, that's what I was training for. That's what that was. Um, I have to ask because we're in this infancy stage right now on YouTube. And man, did it just feel like a grind when you first started on YouTube? It is still a grind. YouTube (laughs) is the trickiest (laughs) platform out there. Um, I just published a video yesterday I thought would crush, uh, it had the title, it had the thumbnail, the content was good. I filmed it, I edited it. It's engaging. Eh, not really. So no, YouTube's really difficult. Um, but to me, YouTube is still the one that I put almost like the most energy into for sure. Mm. Because I think, um, I think YouTube shows up on people's phones but mm. it also shows up on their TVs at home. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people scroll Instagram with their smart TV. Some mm-hmm. might, but I think majority of people watch YouTube on big screen surround sound. So like, I really do try to make the audio clean and the transition mm-hmm. smooth and the storytelling. And, um, you know, YouTube is a really big platform and it's really a grind. I'm not even at a hundred K yet subs. We're getting close. And, we've been grinding at it since 2013 and I got really serious about YouTube three or four years ago to where we made a commitment to make two videos a week for three years straight. And that was a, that's a damn chore right there. Right now I'm committed to doing one a week. And when I get off with this, I'm going to go make one for, Oh, I think I have five or six videos scheduled, but there's a gap in there. I need to fill that one in because I like to be ahead it mm-hmm. keeps the anxiety down and the stress down. <laughs> and then it allows me to be as creative as possible. I don't like yeah. going week to week with YouTube. Um, YouTube for me is just way more surgical. You have to be really cold calculated. And so for me in my creative process, I like to be way ahead in YouTube so I can really fine tune what I'm creating. If that makes sense. Mm, that totally. makes a ton of sense. You're and speaking to my soul right now. We feel that pain. Oh my gosh. <laughs> what, what are we a month into our YouTube channel? Uh, six weeks. Six I don't we- anyways. Know. And it, it is just, yeah, we, we, uh, I don't say that cause I don't enjoy it. I, I mean, I, I, I really feel passionate about it cause the things that YouTube can do that Instagram can't is you, you can't search anything on Instagram so I can put up the best post or the most viral reel. I don't care. That goes away. That gets yep. buried. And then I have people in my DMS like, do you have a post about blah, blah, blah. And it's like, and uh, there's no way for content creators to gain anything on the platform of Instagram unless I make brand partnerships. And so yeah. we're like, okay, well, what's f- still continue to be free to the consumer, but then also can help offset some of the cost of time and energy of producing content? Well, YouTube seems to be that. Mm-hmm. But it's like you don't start reaping those benefits until you've you've hit a certain level and so it's like i totally understand the game but wow i've never been so challenged in my whole life yeah now with youtube like my vision down the road is so like monetizing youtube is really hard to do nowadays um when i got in it was not as hard and i'm grandfathered Mm -hmm. into the old deal and we started a second channel for just elk hunting gear and mm-hmm. we got, we were subject to the new rules and I can't even remember what they were, but you had to have X amount of subs, X amount of watch time. And it took us a few months to get that thing monetized. And we kind of knew some of the secret sauce with YouTube, mm-hmm. still a chore. And so my vision for YouTube down the road to monetize is not by paid ads and 
you know, like right now, and I'm an open book. I don't like, I literally have, I'm very transparent. I've made anywhere between three to $5,000 a month off YouTube. Um, Mm -hmm. when we were cranking and I've like, I've had crappy months where like you put out the same amount of content, it's $2,000 and people are like, that's good money. Not really when you (laughs) break it down to like what you're getting paid by the hour to edit and do, and maybe some shoots take several days and you got to retake and and pay people to edit. Or if you do it yourself and bootstrap it, I mean, you could be crafty, but um, my point of all that is, is like, it's cool to get paid a little, but really the money for me would be more like in brand partnerships and YouTube where they Mm -hmm. want to sponsor one specific video. And mm-hmm. you're going to integrate their product into that video. Um, and then obviously you got to have a some integrity. Like you can't just mm-hmm. like, oh, cool. This like um, I get 30 emails a day from spammy China type things saying, will you do this product? And they delete them all. But like if it's a true product that I believe mm-hmm. in. Then that to so down the road, I think I'll end up doing more like deals with for specific videos as the audience grows. We're not there yet. That's premature. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I do like the fact that YouTube is searchable, like you said, mm-hmm. and it's got an educational vibe. There can be entertainment and you can definitely sprinkle in both in mm-hmm. everything you do. Um mm-hmm. And it's kind of a wild, wild west still where it's going to change and you got to be able to evolve. Um, Mm -hmm. And just that's kind of the challenge. So I always tell folks, I'm just riding this elk shape wave as long as it'll, you know, keep me afloat. And the second it's not, that's fine. We'll pivot. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Well, that was going to be my next question anyway, so I'm glad we talked about that. And that that was just like, where do you see this elk-shaped thing going? Um, Something super cool that we didn't talk about, at least I haven't talked about yet, that I know, and I believe you still do these things, but there's these camps that you hold for people that want to um, get in shape, or maybe it's even character development. I actually don't know a tremendous amount about them. I think I saw a video where you had a camp of people um, coming down. Talk to me about these camps that you do. Yeah, we did camps for five years straight. Uh, 25 of them, not a one. That's what brought me to your guys' state. Not a really, not very many in my home, hometown. So, and they were three day camps and it was kind of sold as sign up for this camp and learn how, like basically cut your learning curve in half or more Mm -hmm. on elk hunting. Mm -hmm. And I truly believe that's what we were delivering, but it was kind of a disguise. Like it was a trick. Like, and I knew it, like I knew like teaching elk hunting tactics and stuff is pretty generic but what i knew i could do from my coaching days is i could create personal development out of these camps and that i could teach guys to leverage the gift of elk hunting to create the best version of themselves like i'm literally reciting a lot of stuff i say but i really mean it like i feel like elk hunting is a a gift like a blessing in your life and it can actually enrich your values and your time with your family and your relationship with your spouse and your career and your drive and your motivation and your fitness and your nutrition. And it's like, Holy crap. Like elk hunting's really not just a hobby. Like this is a way of life. And so mm. I just kind of indoctrinated these attendees into understanding the gift of elk hunting. Obviously we're going to teach them how to make elk sounds and the tactics and how to shoot their bow better and how to tune their bow. And the fitness is a no brainer with the nutrition and the training that we do at these camps. But it really became the best thing I did, like the most return on investment, not from a monetary standpoint, but from like a 
I'm on this earth for a very short amount of time and I'm actually making a difference in people's lives through these camps. So I don't have any plan for next year. I'm going to try to do one or two, but I'm selfish. I'm only going to do them in my hometown. You got to come to me because I have little kids at home and I'm tired of traveling, you know, Mm -hmm. six, seven locations a year, but the camps are the greatest thing that I do hands down. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking from um, a return on investment with money. I'm talking with just being a human and giving back. That's that's the mm-hmm. thing. Very fulfilling work, and that's so cool. Yeah, I caught that vibe, and I don't, maybe you said it, but it was just like I, I would. I, I think the video. It was a video I watched. It was, I think it was recently, or maybe it was. Maybe I was just in the in the in the rabbit hole. But who knows? It was like it was like uh, uh, we, they were like in a warehouse. They were shooting bows, and they're they're talking to people about like how they could you know potentially improve their form, which I am terrible at still. But then they then they um, they had like. Did you guys have like a fitness test too that people did? Yeah, we have a fitness test, a stress test, all that. Yeah. And I just got the sense that like, yeah, they're probably gonna learn how to L cut better. But these these dudes are gonna walk out of here with with some some greater value in their own self self worth. Yeah. They're gonna walk out of here with this idea that I'm capable of more as a human being and I can I can push myself to do things that are I can choose to be uh, this 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 thing I don't know that's how that's the sense that I got and it was it was it was pretty cool I I, I love that that was that was great so well oh, I one I one time had a neighbor say because I was they were like oh where's Joe and I was like oh he's off hunting and he's like oh that's cool like I can buy my meat at the grocery store and like we love this neighbor and I was like haha funny but I I think there are maybe people out there who are like I don't understand why you would ever hunt if you have general access to meat but it's all the things you two just talked about of like hunting is such a great metaphor for so many other parts of your life it's Hmm. like you're literally providing for your own family it it begs you to ask more of your own physical body and and like nourishment it provides you nourishment it makes your family on board it makes you more aware of the sacrifice that an animal is giving when it gives you your life to eat makes your kids aware that Hmm. like yeah mom and dad have to do hard things to make this life like go around I i don't know just that pops that thought popped in my head of like what a cool, broader perspective you're preaching. I think that's exactly what you're trying to get these people to understand. Is like it's not, it's not like I, I I'm scared of the meat at the grocery store. It's it's so much bigger than that. It's a lifestyle. It's a mentality. It's a philosophy. Mm. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, that's better than what I was gonna say. That's good. <laughs> that's, that's good. I like that. The uh, so so um, any any final thoughts, Dan? On hey, where's Elk Shape going? What do you, what, what what's like the five year vision? You know, Joey, I just want to sell people hard work. I've been saying that mm-hmm. a lot lately. I, I distilled it down to like, I'm not trying to sell you the same bow I shoot. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sell you any like snake oil other than like, if you like what I'm putting out, just understand I'm not selling you comfort. I'm selling you discomfort. I'm selling you hard work. I'm selling you that um, you're going to freaking earn it, man. And Mm -hmm. elk meat is precious. It's a precious commodity. You can't buy that stuff at a store. I mean, you Mm -hmm. can buy it, but it's shipped from New Zealand. Like we do not do a market for wild game in the States. It's part of our conservation plan, which by the way, is the greatest conservation plan. The North American model of conservation is the only proven way to have animals. And to have animals means you need to put value on them. And hunters do. And yeah, we, it's a dichotomy. I want to kill those suckers, but I actually want these suckers to be on the landscape. And I know that my mm-hmm. money goes towards providing the wildlife biologists, 
all the studies, the flyovers, especially in the wintertime to count, do the animal counts um, and to understand that predator prey carrying capacity. Dude, like we could go a whole podcast on conservation, but hunters get a bad rap because they look like they think that they're a bunch of just rednecks driving mountain roads and shooting shit out of their truck. It's not mm-hmm. the uh, that's not the case, at least with my community that I'm involved with. Elk hunting is like the hardest thing I've ever done. And mm-hmm. there's no guarantee and it's completely fair chase on public land. I'm hunting your elk, my elk. And when you get one, it doesn't magically get back to your fridge. We're talking about a full scale butchering process, which it sounds like I should have Joey with me, cut it up, get it in the biggest pieces possible, put it on your back and hike it sometimes 10 miles. And these aren't straight miles. These aren't flat miles. Get it to your Mm -hmm. truck, turn around, head for round two. You're going to get 300 pounds back to your truck. Then you got to get that truck to your house, break it down, get the meat cooling. Some people will hire a butcher. I prefer to do it myself. And we will butcher that elk and the whole family's involved. It's all hands on deck. It's kind of like what we were supposed to be doing, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. the kids know that, oh, yeah, we're having tacos tonight. That's the elk that daddy killed. Mm-hmm. And I helped grind that meat up. And so to me, mm-hmm. it is so important to know where your food comes from, not only from a wellness standpoint. From, and obviously, I don't think any people's going to argue that wild game probably has more benefits because it is not farmed. It is good condi- living conditions, natural. There's no immunization or hormones put into these animals. Um, it's a little bit more of like nature, like how maybe God intended us to get our protein. If you are into mm-hmm. eating flesh of another animal, then I am. And I find elk meat to be something that you cannot buy at a store. And in fact, I don't want to buy it at a store. I want to go get mm-hmm. my teeth kicked in for 30 days to get one. And then I want to mm-hmm. get my remaining teeth kicked in as i get the meat out back to my truck yeah mm-hmm. that's so good i i, I um so the, the next thing that i wanted to talk about and this is this is selfish so i'm i'm, I'm asking questions that i just kind of want to know so if you're out there and, and you don't want to know this you know skip this part but i do um how does somebody that that is in a place like ohio like realistically you're talking to a novice here that's never done it how do i start elk hunting so it's like, what are, what are my first steps? So you're talking about hunting public land. I'm going to give you like the best, like, like swing in the dark here of how I understand it. That I want you just to correct me. Good. So I, I'm thinking that I likely need like a pile of money and I need to go pay a guide out somewhere that can help me go through the mountains with like, you know, wh- whatever it is to help me find an elk. And that's, that's the way that I would go uh, about elk hunting. So I'm like, my first thought would be to go to like Google and look up like elk hunting guides in like Colorado or wherever. So, um, am I on the mark? Am I way off the mark? Do I need the pile of money? Like what, what's the elk hunting like one-on-one? You could certainly do that, Joey. I mean, that was definitely an option and and I don't, I'm not going to clown on that. I think put up some money like that and, and pay a professional and go get experience and bring your notebook and just fill that thing up with notes and and learn the ropes. Mm. That's not a bad way to go. Um, you don't have to go that route though. Uh, the very first thing you would want to do is um, start researching now as to and get it narrowed down to where do you think you want to go elk hunting? I know a lot of guys mm. from Ohio that come out West every year. Uh, they do it year after year. And that is definitely the thing I'm going to tell you is like, don't start elk hunting until you're ready to do it every year because you're not going to mm. want to go once you're going to hear the bugles. You're going to be in the mountains. You're going to be out West. 
and you're going to say to yourself, holy shit, I have to do this every year. And your wife's mm-hmm. going to be like, absolutely not. You're, you're insane. <laughs> and so yeah. don't do it until you know that you can do it year in and year out. And honestly, you're going to need the experience. I mean, you're just going to need reps after reps coming out mm-hmm. West. The, the thing is, is elk hunting's pretty popular. Um, guys like mm-hmm. Joe Rogan talk about elk hunting and they make it pretty mm-hmm. popular. Guys like me make elk hunting really romanticize it and make it sexy when in all actuality, it's really hard work. Like it's it, a lot of people quit elk hunting after a few years. They realize like what they actually got themselves into and it's not for mm-hmm. them and that's cool, whatever. But for you, you need to figure out where can you actually get an elk tag? It's very much, um, a supply and demand sort of deal. Uh, so the closest state to you that has elk that you can hunt is going to be Colorado or Montana or Idaho, Utah, mm-hmm. uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Oregon, Washington, all these states have elk, but they have seasons. You being an archery hunter is a little bit of an advantage. So it'll be a little less competitive um, hmm. than, say, a rifle. Rifle's going to be more popular. But you need to figure out what each state has their own rules and regulations, and it's very nuancy. And you probably are a nerd, and you all are all in. So do the homework and narrow it down yeah. to where where is the best place for you to experience Um, and I'm not going to tell you where to go. I want you to do Mm -hmm. the work, but I mean, there's not a really a bad state out there. And then once you figure out where you're going, you need to figure out how to get the tag. Can you buy it over the counter? Can you just go to a Walmart in that state and buy the tag? Or is it a a tag that you have to like put in a draw and there's only so many names they pull out of the hat and it's an allocation. Every state's different and there's a bunch of stuff out there to learn. And that's why there's a lot of like uh, pay to play with paywall websites that have that information for you. But mm-hmm. truly, if you go to each state's hunting regulations, like like Idaho fishing game, Montana parks, Colorado parks and wildlife, DNR or whatever, all that information is free on their website. You just dig in. Mm-hmm. So get a tag. Cool. Then make a plan. Like how much time can you allocate? And I would throw that in your court. Like, there's no such thing as too much time to elk hunt. You would need as much time as possible. So can you, mm-hmm. can you, and by the way, you have 24, 36 hours on the front and back end. So you don't have a, if you take 14 days off, you're not hunting for 14 days, Joey, you're hunting for maybe nine or 10. Cause you have a lot of mm-hmm. drive time. Plus something's going to probably break down on your truck mm-hmm. or your camper or your equipment. You may have to go to town. You may get rained out or stormed off the mountain. Like, it's not going to be what you thought. Like there's, there's challenges, there's obstacles, but realistically I would try to give yourself 14 days minimum, including travel to go Mm -hmm. somewhere out West. You could hunt anywhere that allows you to buy a tag at Walmart, pick it up. And then you could do a ton of e-scouting, which is like studying maps with Google earth. And there's a bunch of platforms like Onyx that I use to narrow down where do elk live and there's really they have awesome layers in there where you can see elk summer ranges winter ranges and i don't i could keep going for an hour so i'm just going to shorten this up with there's no shortage of homework on your plate to do it and then you just have to go do it you got to pull the trigger Mm -hmm. and just go and go into it with the expectations and this would be the only important thing i say are you ready if you can identify what your expectations are of a successful hunt and communicate that to Liz, 
that would be important. If she's expecting you to bring home an elk or you're a loser, that's not the proper <laughs> expectation. Or if you put that on yourself, yeah. it is okay. I know that I'm a brand new elk hunter. I've never backpacked in the wilderness. I've never slept in a tent. I've never hunted by myself. I don't even know if I've been to a trailhead. I've never heard an elk bugle. I've never seen a real elk. Like you just get this list of things that you've never done. And then you went and go do them and you stayed at the camp. You backpacked in, you heard your first bugle. You saw elk. You got within a hundred yards of elk. You almost got a shot. You had adventure. You had agony. You had defeat. You became closer to God. You thought about your family more than ever. And you got gratitude and you come back home and you try to tell me that that's not a successful hunt. You're insane. So it's a trajectory. It's, it's, can you feel my passion? It is Mm -hmm. the coolest thing. So I would set it up for a long-term investment of time and it's a roller coaster ride, baby. And I can't, I just wish you could bottle up the feeling when you finally kill one. And you walk up to mm. it and you realize all the work it really required to do that, man. And you will enjoy every bite the rest of the year. There, There is something about doing something really challenging. So I ran a marathon for the first time. Again, weirdness. Like I, I, I got into running and all of a sudden I... Six months later, he's like, I'm going to run a marathon. I was like, okay. But, but anyways, but like running marathons suck. Like it's not, you don't feel great afterwards. <laughs> and it's not like it's a really easy thing to do. And... And again, I don't dabble. And once I kind of figured out that I don't dabble, I, I, it became it was initially this blind spot of like I get really heavy into things, and yeah. then like I, I, people would call it like Joe, you have an addictive personality, and it was mm-hmm. like a negative. And then I realized, man, you can use this for like awesome stuff too, right? Like I can totally. Anyhow, the the um, the experience of finishing the race, the things that flashed through my head were not the like the 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 time it took me to, to cross the finish line it was not the people there cheering me on it was not the i mean that, that was all there too but like all the runs in the freezing cold by myself in the dark of like training my body to be able to do that mm-hmm. all the like nights i skipped drinking with the boys or like all the all the days that i woke up and was lifting so that i could you know increase my strength those things flashed through my mind mm-hmm. right and and like the 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 effort it took to do that and it's like me trying to convey this message to my kids we have we have three daughters Mm -hmm. being able to convey this to our kids of like man dad set his mind to something and our our youngest she's three she was she would always ask me daddy why do you run in the dark (laughs) she's very confused why i would ever go out for a run in the middle of the night or the or you know early Early. morning Mm -hmm. and i would i would say sweetie like daddy runs in the dark so that he can you know not have to run during time when all you all are awake and things are happening and, and, um, and she would just sit there and look at, she's very, she doesn't get it. But anyways, the, the, uh, that, that feeling. And so when I hear you talking about elk hunting, I've never done it. I want to, but, uh, that, that's, that's, that's kind of the, the feeling that I get. Right. I didn't have any meat to eat afterwards, which is a bummer. Right. But, uh, you know, I, I got, I got like a medal that sits up in my closet now that I can go look at whenever I'm feeling kind of sad. Right. And, uh, and I've got this, I've got this mentality now that whenever I go out on a run and I'm, I'm not feeling super great, I'm like, Dude, I, I can do this. Right. This is this isn't this isn't like this isn't all I got. Yeah, you can fall back in that. Like, totally. I ran a marathon. Uh, anyway, so so a uh, few few kind of like specific questions here. You talk. Thank you. Outstanding. Um, so so don't have to take a guide. You don't have to. Right. You could go out there. Um, I mean, is there any anxiety of hunting by yourself? Like if I if I went out there to the to the mountains for the first time ever, I I, I just feel anxious about that. I feel like you'd want to have someone with you potentially. 
Yeah. Uh, I think finding a good elk hunting partner is nearly as difficult as finding a Liz, a partner for life. It is. Yeah. I don't know. I figured out a long time ago to hunt by myself because I don't let anyone down. I don't have anyone. Mm. I have to explain myself or, hey, sorry, I missed our rendezvous time. I was really in the thick of elk or leave mm. elk because I got to go rendezvous with my partner. or They're going to get word about me. Um, and then um, uh, most men are afraid of the dark. Uh, in my opinion, and um, you'll overcome that shit if you really want to kill an elk. You know what I mean? Grizzly bears, yeah, mountain yeah. lions, um, black bears, wolves, all that. Don't even, I don't even think about it. Like, that's how bad I want to kill an elk. It's like, mm. it. I mean, I had a bear literally come at me while I was cutting up my last elk I just killed in Idaho. And it was so steep. I mean, there was mountain goats, mountain goats living below where my bull died. And so like every time I would take a leg off, the elk would slide 20, 30 yards down. Oh my God. And I'd be gosh. like, okay, okay. Cause I didn't want him to go all the way down the mountain. Right. Like I wanted him just to, I'm trying to get the meat off and I'm like slowly getting further and further away from my bow, my phone, my SOS button. And I'm an idiot and didn't bring my handgun on this particular day or bear spray. Don't ask me why. It just is what it is. And I'm literally now 120 yards from all that covered in blood because I am the butcher. And this bear comes rolling. It's not a grizzly bear, though. So I'm not like if it had been a grizzly bear, I would be very, very, very concerned for I would probably run like hell. Like, here you go. But black bear, I'm standing my ground. I'm standing my ground. <laughs> and this black bear is making really cool black bear sounds and swatting the ground, slapping rocks, huffing. They go, <gasps> and snapping their teeth. Classic black bears if you've been around them. Just classic. And um, what the I'm just sitting here going, you're an idiot. Because I, I had a bear tag. And I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to add bear meat to the menu. But anyways, you will <laughs> overcome your fears, bro, over time. But right on. most guys don't admit it, but there is definitely, it, it's a, cha it's a mental challenge to be by yourself. And that's not the worst part, Joey, there is demons, bro. In your closet, you have skeletons that you haven't faced, man. And when you're by yourself in the back country, you're not hunting 24 hours a day. You're like hunting eight, nine, 10 hours a day. And then it's dark. You're in a tent by yourself and you're missing your wife. You're thinking about your daughters, you're reflecting on your life decisions, and you're thinking about how can I be a better husband? I guarantee it. How can I let my wife know how much I love her and care and appreciate her? Same for your daughters. And you're doing all that and you'll think of some stuff that maybe you've done and back in your life that you just haven't dealt with yet. So that's why I love solo elk hunting, man. Like I, it's my therapist. Yeah. I come out of those mountains well, with crystal clarity of things I need to change, things I'm doing well. Being afraid of the dark, that's like the last thing on my mind. You know what I mean? Mm. Well, that's 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 awesome. I, I um yeah, I hadn't considered going by myself, but uh, you know, maybe maybe someday. Carry a, a handgun and some bear spray, please. Good call. We'll, we'll, you got we, people we, who depend we'll on we'll you. <laughs> we'll, we'll carry the handgun and the bear spray. I love that. I love that. The um the other thing I was gonna I was gonna ask. So we're getting into elk hunting, and the the tag like so 
the 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 I have an estimate in my brain of what it would look like to go through through the guide, right? And it just feels very expensive. Yeah. But if you don't do that, and you're you're backpacking in the in the woods, you're not you're not paying housing costs. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're 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 buying your gear and you're buying like the stuff for hunting. But like any hunt, you're gonna do that. That's like a that's like a fixed cost. I feel like, like if I'm gonna go deer hunting, it's different gear. I think it seems to be very different gear than sitting in a tree stand and hiking through the mountains. I mean, even just boots alone, I feel like would be very different. Mm-hmm. But the the tags is, is is that like your only cost at that point maybe a rental car of some kind no you got um so elk hunting gear whitetail gear there's a significant difference you know I, a lot of guys hunt whitetails in boots like rubber boots that are scent free you're going to get a pair of out west hiking boots that are going to be probably made in italy four or five hundred dollars mm. but they're going if you had the wrong boots you're not going to be hunting very well or at all uh, a backpack. You need a really good backpack to carry meat mm. out, haul your gear. Those are going to be anywhere between five and thousand bucks, five hundred to a thousand bucks. Your elk tag is going to be anywhere between eight to eight hundred to a thousand bucks for your out-of-state elk tag. Gas no to way. get from Ohio to Colorado for thirty-six hours is going to be your fuel bill, be a grand, um, and your food costs. Backcountry backpacking food's expensive too, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to talk you out of this, right? Uh, <laughs> no, this is good. This is what I was looking for. You know, your time obviously is the most important. So like you're not going to be working. So you're not going to be maybe uh, yeah. what you guys do is if you want that time, dude, you're going to have to back. Like, so for me, I do, I work 11 months out of the year, let's say, cause I'm going elk hunting all of September. That doesn't mean I'm actually working 12 months. I'm just going to put two months worth of work into one. So August is not yeah. fun for me. Um, yeah. and then, so I'm trying to think all, and then obviously your archery equipment, um, broadheads, all the, all that stuff. Like it's, it's stuff it that up. you'll get over time. And I would strongly encourage people that are thinking about getting into elk hunting to not just go out, swipe their credit card and buy five or $10,000 worth of gear. I mean, don't get me wrong. My companies that are sponsoring me want you to do that. And, and I do, I want you to make good decisions, but I also think that you need some just experience. And so mm-hmm create a budget. You don't need the greatest and latest. You can upgrade slowly over time, but what you really need is just time and experience in the field. So figure out the most cost effective way to do that. And you can upgrade over time and all that jazz. So I think you can do it yourself from Ohio 2.5 to 3k Mm. comfortably and borrow some gear, buy some used gear, that kind of stuff and take your truck from Ohio, put the miles on it. I wouldn't rent a vehicle for national forest roads. Uh, it would, if you did make sure you rent a truck and make sure there's extra tires and that you know how to get those things changed out and kind of go from there. If that makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. That's outstanding. And and, and I was thinking like, so, so my, where my, where my cost in my brain for a guide was I've gone moose hunting. And, and I'm going to get into this next. Um, it's been so a family tradition passed down from like my great grandfather was we've, we've the Hazelmeyers have just moose hunted. I don't know. It's just something that we've always done always with the gun. And um, it's been what, seven, six years, seven years since I've gone. Yeah. You went when our youngest were in our middle was four months. Uh, old. I took, took a cow, um, three, 300 wind mag. Um, and my dad has taken what? maybe nine or ten, a lot more. He, he's just gone a lot more. You guys are going to Canada? 
Mm-hmm. Newfoundland. Oh, Newfoundland. Okay. And um, I am currently planning to go. It's it's in it's it's in the calendar. It's penciled into the calendar. Is it penciled in already? It's I wasn't penciled sure. into the calendar for. I have to find my eraser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, for a moose hunt uh, next year, and I talked to the to the to the camp there. The guy that owns this camp. It's how I get a tag to go there. Um, my best understanding as of today to get a tag for moose in Canada was all lottery, which, or at least in Newfoundland for sure. Hmm. Um, Alaska, I think you can do more of what Dan's talking about. But I'm, roll up to a Walmart and buy one. Well, I don't know if counter. it's Walmart as much as it's anyways, the, 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 I've never bought a tag in Alaska, so I can't really truly speak to that, but moose hunting in Newfoundland. I mean, very similar to what you talked about with your first elk. So the first moose I ever killed um, man, I shot, it was a frontal and I was, I was about 82 yards ish, um, on the shot. Now, again, I'm not, I'm not taking that with a bow today, but we were, we were on the same plane as it. And we had, we had time. So, so, but because I had a rifle, it was just a no factor. So I, it was like a, and I was so practiced. I mean, I, I had shot so many, I was preparing for like 300 yard shots. Right. Mm-hmm. So this 82 yard, you know, poke was not. It was just very, very, I was very good to go. And I had sticks. It was just, it was just not a hard thing for me at all. My dad, the very next day took a moose and I'll never forget it the rest of my life. Cause it, it, we called it in and it, it came, it came up and turned at like 45 yards. Reason rifle. And, and, and I had like a flashback. You're talking about the elk that you took with, with, with the gun. And, and I just, I, I remember thinking like nowadays I would be very comfortable to hit the moose with, with a bow today. And I wanted to talk to you about like, like kind of transitioning into just archery questions. And I don't want to take up too much of your time because I, I think I, I could just devour it all. But specifically when you're setting up a bow, I, I've, I've kind of figured out just because I've taken one, what setup I need to have to take down a whitetail, right? And that's out of a deer stand, taking a whitetail. Now, Newfoundland's all bogs. So I had to like buy special boots for that. That's kind of why I assumed with elk in mountains. I've never, I've never done the mountains. I assumed, I guess I was correct from like a gear perspective, mm-hmm. uh, there'd be a major change there. But I'm also guessing that there's some gear from a specifics on archery that I should be considering for my upcoming potential moose hunt. Um, what, what are the first things that are crossing your mind that I should be aware of for my bow setup or my bow rig? And I'd happily answer questions about what I currently have. Sure. Yeah. If that would help. I mean, just generally speaking, this is going to be lame advice, but it's the truth. Like whatever gives you the most confidence, like you okay. need to show up very confident. You need to know in, uh, like almost in writing, what's the firm longest shot you're willing to take, which will force you to get close, which is why I archery mm-hmm. hunt. I want to be as close to that animal as possible. I'm looking for mm-hmm. that experience. So understanding your effective range and honestly, Joey, whatever you think your effective range is, I would probably shave 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 yards off of that. So like a lot of guys think that they can stand in their backyard or go to the target range and they can put together five, six arrows in a pretty small group at 80 yards. And they're like, well, shit, I can shoot an animal at 80 yards. And that's not true because you were in flip-flops. It was summer and (laughs) you had sunglasses on top of your head and there was no wind. You'll have fatigue, (laughs) duress, stress, anxiety. And Mm. so I would cut that in half. So if you could do the 80 yard pie plate with five arrows, 
your effective range is 40. Get to 40. Mm -hmm. That's the number you need to get. Not 41 and a half, but 40 and under. And understand like your ability and your confidence. I would film and record yourself shooting consistently to identify any technique breakdown because bows are different than guns. All that energy is stored in your body and your muscles. You're pulling mm -hmm. a thing back and holding it. So the, the secret sauce to, uh, to archery is this drum roll repeatability. You may have the shittiest technique on planet earth, but you can do it over and over and over. Well, yeah, dude, you're going to put arrows together. You're going to have, you're going to mm -hmm. be able to kill whatever you shoot at. Uh, so the, the key for archery is like, I would take a lesson if you've never had one from a coach or, mm. or a professional archer and just get some fundamentals that never go out of style. If you thought I was going to tell you like about, oh, you need this much, this broadhead, this arrow, this, all that we could get into that. But I think the bigger picture is more important that you understand your effective archer range and you understand mm, the fin fundamentals of archery. And that you don't just go in your backyard and shoot arrows to shoot arrows, but that you have a purpose behind every shot you take. That's what I have learned along the way. And it's, um, it's really changed the game now, for moose. That's a big animal. Make sure you shoot enough kinetic energy, momentum, make sure your arrow is heavy enough. And I would encourage you to shoot a fixed sharp broadhead and make sure your bow is tuned. And if you don't know how to do that, take it to a professional who does. Mm, that's super good. That, that is super good. And the reason I asked is I've, I've told some people that my, my, I aspire, I, I, I would like to go. I mean, even when I told the guides, cause they, they've had some people that, that show that roll in and want to moose hunt with, with a bow rather than a rifle. And I told them they were just kind of like, all right, you know, if that's what you want to do. And they I was have, like, they have some doubt. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's just not the same at all. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've got people that are, that are dropping, you know, you know, hundreds of yards. Right. And, and so I would need to be significantly closer, but it's kind of like I had that taste of this bowl came in like just into what I would consider based on what Dan's saying, my current effective range, you know, that, that 45, 50 yard range. Um, I feel I feel like it's just like not a, it's like, I almost like, I almost forget where I'm even looking at the target, to be honest. It's like, I'm, I'm kind of like, uh, wrapping them in anyways, the, the, um, and there's a part of me. It's like, man, a moose is just so giant. It's, it's so giant. But like, that's the part that makes me anxious because there's so much place of that moose to hit. Anyways, I say this to people and they're like, can a, a bow kill a moose? And I'm like, sure, absolutely. It, it, it can. And they're like, well, what would you have to change to, to do that? And I was like, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, maybe not much is kind mm -hmm. of, is kind of the thought that I had. So anyways, it feels, it feels kind of confirmed, uh, with, with you, with you saying that. So the, the, uh, moose hunt, love that somebody getting into archery, what would you recommend? And, 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 and even I'll even preface this by telling my story. When I walked into to broken rack to get a bow, I was so unbelievably overwhelmed. I can barely explain <laughs> the amount of information people were throwing at me. And and I loved it because they were all so smart, so knowledgeable, and they wanted to help me. They wanted to help me. But they were telling me like, here's, you know, here's the Matthews, here's the Hoyt, here's the here's the flagship, here's the like the middle tier. And like they're like, here, shoot this one, shoot this one, shoot this one. I can barely pull them back. And I'm like, <laughs> like and I'm like, I don't even know what I'm feeling for. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. How would you tell somebody that is looking to get into archery for the first time? Like what are some of like the basic things that they should consider when getting their first bow? Yeah. I mean, you don't even have to buy a bow initially, maybe go, just go down there and shoot several bows mm -hmm. with supervision and tell them, Hey, I'm going to buy a bow. Not today. 
but I want to shoot several and I want you to get me a lesson with you and I will gladly pay you for your time. And I just want to create really good fundamentals. I don't want to have to unteach. I don't want to pull a Dan Staten, learn all these poor habits and then spend decades trying to unbreak them. If that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, go get a lesson, go get instruction, uh, buy a bow after three lessons and don't go in there with any bias of like, well, what does Dan shoot or what does this guy shoot or no, everybody's got to shoot what feels right for them. And what feels super perfect for me might feel terrible for you. And that's why I always tell people, I don't care what bow you shoot. I just care that you put the work in. And I, I mean that. So go get a lesson, man, get, get the instruction. And then almost like blindfold yourself. Don't worry about the brand name. Just shoot them all. And see, mm -hmm. whoa, that one really just narrow it down. Let's keep those mm -hmm. two. Let me shoot those two head to head for a while. I can't make a decision. I'll come back next week. Come back the next week. Shoot them again. Okay, this one does. I like this one better. What is it? Oh, oh, it's it's a Matthews. Uh, whatever. You know, that's what I want to shoot. So that's what I would do. Lessons first. Fundamentals. Instruction. And once you get your once you get your bow, is there an item on the bow? Because the thing that I learned very quickly is that you don't just go buy a bow. There, I mean, at least I didn't. There's like you got to get a sight, you got to get a rest, you got to get a quiver, you got to get a release, you have to get a stabilizer, you have to get a you know. There's there's like a number of things that kind of I'm gonna call them like you bolt onto the bow to make the bow function. Essentially. I, I was also not aware of that and the the price tag that comes with that. It changes significantly. <laughs> and what what I would ask is is like because you could definitely get the the basic quote unquote basic version of all this stuff right you could get a yeah. a you know a, a cheaper you know rest a, che a cheaper release a cheaper you know what what item on the bow would you say is the most critical to upgrade first as you're kind of tinkering along with mm. with your bow that's a good question um damn damn you i would say <laughs> The instruction's still going to take precedence over any of those things. So like totally, um, totally getting the instruction on how to execute a shot properly. Um, but once you've done all that, um, honestly, the rest it's called an arrow rest. It lifts the arrow up and mm -hmm. it goes down while the arrow goes by and it holds the up the arrow up as long as possible. And then it gets out of the arrows way that right there is going to be your most important investment besides the bow is mm -hmm. getting a really good arrow rest. Now there are cheap ones out there like that are just foolproof bomb proof. They're called a whisker biscuit. I get it. That's fine. That's foolproof. But if, as you get into the drop away, fall away market, those are the type of rests you want to get a good one. I wouldn't skimp on your rest. You can kind of get a low grade site. Hell you can even get a crappy release. Um, but, and no stabilizers to start with, but you need a good arrow rest. Mm -hmm. That's good. I love that. That is good. And and my understanding is like an arrow rest that gets out of the way is going to give you more forgiveness. Like if you were to like release the bow, release the, the, the string, right? Mm -hmm. release your arrow mm -hmm. and if you're to move a little bit and it's in a whisker biscuit it's kind of holding that arrow i can't the get whole a time. whisker biscuit i don't know it's, it, it's when you see, i'll have to show you one because if you see one it'll <laughs> make a lot more sense uh, ca biscuit. calling it that it'll definitely it'll definitely uh uh 
Dan, I have so many questions for you, but uh, here's here's my final two. Ready? One, I'm dying to know how you communicate this all to your wife and how she's such a freaking rock star and supports the home yep. while you're hunting. I think that that role as a woman is incredible, mm. and I highly respect that. So I, I'd love to hear how those conversations go. I also want to hear how you see your role, because I can tell, like, you love archery and you love the nitty gritty and the the details and the nerdiness like Joe. But I feel like at the end of the day, you just want to communicate to people that this life is worth living harder than it is easier. Like you should you should push yourself more in this life, this time you have on earth so that you can get more out of it. Right. Yeah. And it's like that's the thing. And just archery and elk cutting happen to be your your vehicle through which you share that message. How are you going to communicate that and show that to your kids? Because this is something I think about all the yes, time. Yes, I feel you. Well, let's start with the kids first and foremost because like, they watch everything we do. They, they really do, for better or worse, right? They hear what yeah, I say. That's true. They know that dad gets mad and swears, um, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. Like, but they watch me. They know I'm up before everybody. They know mm-hmm. to come to my office in the morning first things and – Maybe mom's still asleep. Dad ain't. Dad's up there. And they know what I do for work. They know that I, like I'm a creator. And they know that mm-hmm. I'm a workaholic. Um, but they also know why I go out to the gym, why I go out and shoot my bow every day. Like they see that. Like we have a gym at our house. Like they know to come hang out and they know that we complain about being sore all the time and they know mm-hmm. that we eat really healthy food and it sucks because I'm like the the dad who hates sugar and all that kind of stuff like they <laughs> see what um we, we do and I know that I was a kid once and I never appreciated a fraction of the sacrifices my parents made until I did mm-hmm. until I was old enough yeah. to go wow and I still to this day thank my parents they're both alive still I thank them all the time for doing such a good job. And um, despite what my sisters say, I, I think they did a great job. And um, I think they tried their best. And I know they're not perfect, but I know that they sacrificed so much for me. And I know my kids mm-hmm. will understand that someday too. Now, as far as communicating with the spouse, I am still evolving, still learning this. Like this is, <laughs> I haven't figured it out. I haven't cracked the code. Um, women are very different than men and thank God, but Mm -hmm. my wife and I dated for only six months and then we were engaged and then six months later we were married. So I didn't even get to like enlist my rule of two elk seasons before we get married. (laughs) The first elk season, they'd be like, Oh, I don't mind if you're gone all month. And then like you come to find out they really do mind. And then you go to the second one and they're like, line drawn in the sand you are not doing this shit and that's awesome because we're not going to be together anymore like i literally had that happen with a girl that i thought i was going to marry she totally put up with the first one went to the second one i'm not sure if i even talked to her very much after that second one like ever since uh and we were pretty serious so guys listening gals listening like two years of dating two elk seasons because that stuff's not going to go away. And Liz, I hope you didn't marry Joey so you could change him. Joey, I hope you didn't marry Liz so you could change her. Now, iron sharpens iron. This is biblical now. Like, yes, it is a design for us to make each other 
holier, not happier. And that is happening. Mm. My wife is really good at making me holier because she's making me grow spiritually, physically, mentally. Like she challenges me. And it's why I say I haven't figured it out yet. But like Joey mentioned the calendar and writing a moose hunt in a pencil. Like I ripped the bandaid off. I didn't used to do this. I go downstairs. We have a calendar. I write that shit with a Sharpie. And it's like, this is where I'm doing. I just booked this hunt. It's going down. And you think my wife would be like, oh, cool. Thanks for communicating. No, there's still tension. And there's still like an argument to have. And I know that, but I'd rather have that done then and now versus what I used to do, which was be like, hey, by the way, tomorrow I'm going to be going elk hunting for a week. Um, won't be gone till I'll be missing that dude, rip band-aids off, get it out in the front, communicate. And then also this is the last mm. part. This is the part I did figure out. This is like gospel is I figured out what Alicia, my wife's version of elk hunting is, but come to find out she's really passionate about some stuff too. Maybe not to the degree that I'm like elk hunting, but nobody is, but I found out that my <laughs> wife absolutely loves home and garden. She loves to mm. work with her hands start seeds, plant gardens, work gardens, work the, like she loves mowing the lawn. Our yard looks the best on the block, hands down. That didn't happen <laughs> on its own. That's not an accident. She also is like a part-time carpenter remodeler and there's shiplap everywhere in my house. She has touched every room in our house and she currently, I don't have a bathroom and the master bathroom right now is completely gutted. And my wife is completely redoing it. And I will not do a single thing on this project. Like literally get out of my way. This is all me. That's my wife's deal. She's so passionate about making things awesome home and garden. So there is, I think she might spend more money than I do on elk hunting with home and garden. And I think mm. that's her thing. And so a while ago I used to get really pissed off mainly on the budget. I'm like, for God's sake, we've already spent Let's say we spent $20,000 <laughs> on a vinyl fence. We have a huge lot yeah. and we spent mm -hmm. concrete curving. Like, let's just say she chewed up 20 K. Like that's a lot of money. And now you want to remodel the bathroom. That's have you guys ever remodeled a master bathroom? That is not cheap. Like I don't do that anymore. I understand it's her passion. I understand it's what she wants to mm -hmm. do. And I get behind her. Does that make sense? Totally. And I'm going to ask a semi-controversial question, but I think this is maybe key. How many wives, and I'm generalizing here, how many wives out there are so frustrated by their men's hobby because they don't have one? Because that was me for a long time. I couldn't grasp. I couldn't understand. I would get so frustrated. One day, Joey looked at me and he's like, Liz, you have no hobbies. Like, of course you get mad every time I leave to go play soccer or whenever I'm gaming with my buddies or whatever because you don't have anything. And I was like, oh, you're right. So not saying that like we need to be competing all the time, but wow, maybe having that area of passion can help her understand your elk hunt too and you guys can support that. I know like right now, Joey and I were just tiffing the other night because I'm at the tail end of my 75 hard journey and the amount of pressure that puts on the family because Joey will roll home from work and he's like you still have a workout to get done and I'm like yeah and I'm working on this like new content I'm putting out so like I can't start my workout until 8 30 I'm sorry can you put the kids down and it's like 
talk about tensions, and right? Like a, an episode of Chopped starts too. Oh, I mean, if you've please. ever seen that show, I right? thawed your meat. Okay, don't don't complain like a, too much. It's like here. a mystery basket. I said of food. when I'm having sausage, <laughs> peppers, and onions. It was a and we had sauerkraut. It was like a very German delicious meal. It's great. It's great. But the pressure, this this pressure that it puts, how you were saying iron sharpens iron. Joey was like, I'm growing in the 75 hard challenge too, even though I'm not doing it. Like you're doing it, and it's taking you away from some of the ways that you would run our household and i hate that i feel guilty i really do mm. but i'll at the same time i'm like when am i when am our nine years of marriage have i ever done something like 75 hard where every single day i'm mm -hmm. dedicating like two hours to myself mm -hmm. no it's good i have to get my workouts That's in i good. gotta get my water got you know what i'm saying no this is really good so it's like it's the same it's like my low-key elkhart right it's like oh joey ran a marathon last year watch me do 75 hard you know, it's like, it's a little, not that I'm doing it because of that, but it's a nice way to, to understand each other's level of sacrifice. And then you get the opportunity to support the household, just like I supported the household mm -hmm. when you were training. It's super outstanding. You I know? totally agree. Done with my rant. Loved it. That is all. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great. Women, a, we need more hobbies. It was a great Let's rant. get more hobbies. I also know your wife is super into fitness too. I think that's another thing too, is like women, we can be strong too. We can get out there. It's amazing. Mm. I love that. Okay, I really am done with my rant. No, that's, that's so good. Dan, was there anything that, that any questions that I didn't ask? Any, any things that maybe you wanted to jump into or talk about that we didn't? Uh, we've been going here for about an hour and a half or hour and 20 minutes at this point. And, and, and I'm going to be honest, uh, just, just talking to you, we could probably talk for the next two hours. Yeah, we won't do that. But too. I, I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. You've got a family, you've got things, you've got work to do. And uh, any, anything that we didn't, any, we didn't touch on that maybe we could? I don't think so, guys. Honestly, you guys are really cool down to earth. I appreciate you. Um, I knew, I mean, I get pretty fired up, passionate. Um, it might be too much for some people. I'm not sorry. But I do want to tell everybody that I, uh, I take no credit for the path I've lived. I mean, God has provided all the insight mm. and opened all the doors and closed more doors when I didn't mm. want him to. And it's his will, not mine. And, uh, so I always like to end podcasts with letting people know, like, I don't want to boast in me. It's very biblical. It's very like, literally boast in the Lord. And I want to just boast in the Lord and be like, God is like the rock, the foundation to everything that we do in this life. And uh, I want to boast in him. Mm, I love that. That's one of the reasons why we love you, Dan. Love that. That's so good. Yeah. And you know, we, we echo that for sure. Yeah. We, we feel, I mean, even just before we kicked off the podcast, just praying, Hey God, let, let our words be, be yours mm -hmm. we want to be your hands and feet an extension of you and any influence that we have we want it to be a, of that mission not ours right? oh, we pray that over every episode actually so love that love that huge huge fan uh dan let's uh where can people find you where can people reach you people that are going to want to have the nerdy questions that i have yeah um where can people find you um what platforms like youtube and instagram and um podcasting is probably it um at elk shape that's where you'll find us mm. not a huge tiktoker sorry guys mm, we aren't either. either the um let's see website do you have a website goods things anything like that yeah elkshape.com's got all those resources there elkshape.com we'll link it all in the show notes absolutely um dan thank you so much for coming on man and uh yeah we'll, we'll uh hopefully we'll see you around mm -hmm. oh yeah our paths will cross i guarantee it i love it thanks brother and with that Dan of Elk Shape mm -hmm. has left the virtual chat. Mm -hmm. You know what? Like my favorite part of that episode 
even though like so many of my passion areas were kind of like colliding all at once. Mm-hmm. Talking Joey's to somebody, brain was on like hyper. It was amazing. But when, when, when we started talking about, man, like just how our families like integrate, how we, how we set an example for our kids and the questions that you were asking and, and, and just like how we, how we like negotiate or even just not negotiate, but reason with our, our spouses on different, issues and things and passion areas and fulfillment mm-hmm. and how that can cause each other to grow in, in at the same time right mm-hmm. so like you doing 75 hard causing me to grow in certain ways me running a marathon caused you to grow in certain ways um and with with dan and is, is his wife named alicia mm-hmm. i think so yeah i don't think i took the opportunity to see it as growth though and mm. so it's like maybe that's the starting point. Like if, if when you were training, instead of me just being grumpy and mad, I could have been like, okay, I'm growing here. Yeah. I think because being married to you, I feel like I'm in a constant state of forced growth because mm. we can never just chill out and relax. Mm. If you haven't gotten that vibe yet, you probably haven't had dinner with us. <laughs> Some of our friends are like, do you ever chill? No, we don't. And, uh, but it's good to take that opportunity to look at it like that. Like Dan's not going out there saying, oh, I can't wait to get away from my kids and my wife. He's like, mm. I'm going to use this this hardship to grow. Mm. That's powerful. That's that a mindset. That's that not is. a, I was gifted with this way of thought. Mm. That's an intentional mindset. I think you're better at that than I am, but I'm trying, I'm working on it. Mm. I'm working on it. That's so good. Yeah. Great. Great to have him on. We'd love to have his wife on too. That we, we, maybe we reach out to him and, and make something happen. hundred percent. The, uh, yeah, that's it. I love it. Get excited. Elk, elk hunting is, is a, it's like a marathon. That's mm-hmm. how, how, how I'm viewing it at this point. It's uh, it's, it's in my, it's in my future, but it's, I'm, I'm not sure when that's going to happen just yet, but it's in my future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was a really great point to say, hey, do this. Don't just go for like a weekend or a week. Do this when you know you can commit mm-hmm. subsequent years. I love that. This has been a, I call it a different type of episode just because we were so kind of singular focused. Like mm-hmm. we were so focused on elk hunting. Um, but we love to hear your feedback. So if you enjoyed this episode, enjoyed today's conversation with dan please let us know leave a rating and review we read all of those it's super helpful for us on a podcast platform because there's no way to kind of get feedback there's not like a comment section um unless we're on youtube and we remember to post it on youtube which we all know is a struggle so i meant it also when i said like go check out dan elk shape youtube i mean it's phenomenal his podcast is great his instagram all that but it's it's uh I mean, I get it now with him having like, what, what did he say? Like movie experience mm-hmm. or, or television, like, television experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's, he's killing the game and I, I don't understand how he's not, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's, it's a grind, right? It's a grind, but he's, yeah, he's mm-hmm. crushing it. Yeah. He's crushing it. Go, go check him out on, on, on YouTube for sure. Hey, if you've been here before, you know that we have, we have things that we sell other, other things that keep us busy. I have an announcement. Talk to me. We are doing. This is our first holiday season ever at Hazelmeyer Goods because, Mm. you know, we launched in April and we have so many new items that we want to list, but we didn't want to flood your emails with like new item, new item, new item, new item. Here's a mixing bowl. Here's all these like amazing things. Uh So we're doing this thing called like a holiday market. Uh We're building out our holiday collection, which isn't like decor related to holiday, but it's like 
everything you're going to want to buy for all your Christmas presents, you're going to want to put on your Christmas list. Mm -hmm. Okay. Can I preview some of the things? Get in there. We have this like gorgeous Ohio made with from Ohio stoneware pottery um, mixing bowl that's like heavy enough where your dough doesn't lift your whole bowl off the counter. For sourdough. For sourdough and and everything else. Like I, I mix everything in there. Um, we have these stunning mugs from my friend named Carrie who um, runs Sift Create uh, Ceramics and she is hand making mm. every single mug. Um, it's the mug I drink out of on the pod if you if you're watching. Um, so she's custom making a mug for us. Mm. What else do we have? We have we we're going to launch new organic tea towels. Sorry, cotton towels mm. so that you can cover your sourdough or use them in your kitchen, whatever mm. hand woven in India. Um We've got a, a new soap that's coming in a ceramic dish, so you don't have to hold it in your hands. You can just scrub your brush. Mm. And we're adding some brushes. Okay, horsehair maple brushes to the list. And we I'm not even going to say like the other three or four things that we have coming. So we're opening up a holiday market. It's going to launch sometime early November, which is probably when this episode is airing. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know the new things that are coming on shoptheh.com, one, go on our main page and get on the email list. And two, go check out our Instagram because we update everything on there. So I'm I'm pumped about it because I love the holidays. I think it's going to be really fun. Hazemeyer Goods is the Instagram account. We got shoptheh.com, hazemeyergoods.com. That's where you can find those goods, those things. Uh, we'll be dropping new coffee soon. We got tea. We got a Psalm tea You can't say it all. You in. can't say it all. Okay. All right. I won't say it all. Keep some in the bag. Let's keep some in the bag. There's <laughs> even more than that too. So still things in the bag, which is crazy. We're working hard. We, we never are, stop. We are working hard. We, we, yeah. Um, sounds like there's other people out there doing that too, which, mm-hmm. is, which is cool. So mm-hmm. basically everybody bring on this podcast, just savages. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're on Instagram too. Personally, if you want to check us out there, don't, I mean, in theory, you might want to see what I have coming up. I got hunting season coming up. It's not as cool as Dan's. So go to his first, go to Dan's, uh, uh, uh Instagram, check his stuff out, but then you can come to mine if you want to. I'm going to go deer hunting soon. So it'll be a lot of me sitting. So mm-hmm. if you want to see me sit and suffer, <laughs> um, you can do that. I'm at Joey Hazelmeyer. Elizabeth or Liz is at Liz Hazelmeyer. You can find us at homegrown underscore education. Homegrown is a pretty cool thing we got going on here. We're putting out content like this to educate you in things that will help grow your family, your nutrition, your nourishment, your health, your wellness. We didn't even get into it, but man, Dan's like just a savage fit dude. Mm-hmm. So get over there, check out his fitness stuff. We've also got educational resources we sell on homegrowneducation.org. Get on there. We've got what's for dinner, what's for breakfast. Those are meal plans getting you inspired and also equipping you to have nourishing meals that are planned out, grocery lists that are planned out for you for six weeks. Mm -hmm. Get in there. Mm -hmm. We've got curriculum for your kids to get them into the real food game. Mm -hmm. Everything from macronutrient understanding Understanding, have, getting you into a place where you and your kids can have a conversation around the macros they're consuming on a regular basis because we believe that's incredibly important. It's a skill that's going to get them into a place in life where they understand food differently when they're older. I feel like you're starting another episode. We've also got <laughs> <laughs> um, all kinds of things. Go on to homegrowneducation.org. You can find those, those, those booklets and uh, so much more. And until next time, that's a wrap.